Hello and welcome to Quad Trivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond pub trivia and into the minds of the people who craft the questions. My name's Jeff. I am with RMT Trivia in Illinois. Yep, this is Jason over at Liquid Courage in Chicago as well. Uh, this is Corey over at Third Degree in Spokane. And I'm Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia in Richmond, Virginia. And this is Jeremy, the uh, redheaded stepchild of Liquid Courage over in Chicago as well. <laughs> you don't have hair. How can you be a redhead? <laughs> you know, in my mind. We have Aaron with us tonight who hasn't uh, been with us before. Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about Orange Cat Trivia? Sure. Like I said, based in Richmond, Virginia, it's a small operation. It's just me and one game a week. I host Thursdays at Castleburg Brewery, which is right up the street from me here in Richmond. Um, most of my presence is online, I think. Um, not from a professional standpoint, but just goofing off. <laughs> same. Yeah, I, I think we can commiserate with that for sure S- same vibes yep. especially these days yeah so let me ask you Aaron, real quick do you have like ambitions to expand beyond the one show a week you do or are you just kind of happy doing the one really good thing that you do every week to kind of hang out with the same group of people on a set schedule so it kind of changes day to day um when i started the company i wanted to make it my full-time job primarily because i'm I'm a lawyer by trade, but I was having trouble finding a full-time job in this market. Um, mm-hmm. And then I found a full-time job, and that was great. And I am not currently employed, so I'm open One of to us. One of us. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but it is about a quarter to one in the morning, and I have just cracked open a handle of Captain Morgan, and I'm hanging out in voice <laughs> chat with, uh, we'll call it three good friends. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. (laughs) And there's the fourth guy chiming in. Excellent. Appreciate it. So do you guys remember when we used to do like live pub trivia? Yes. No, it's been too long. Very much. So very long ago. Uh, Do you remember (laughs) the last show that you actually did for a live like in-person audience? Uh, Mine was actually our St. Patrick's Day game that we do every year. It was a week before St. Patrick's Day because of the weird timing of, of how they do their... Because uh, full disclosure, I work for an Irish pub that is associated with like six or seven, I think, other Irish pubs throughout the city of Chicago. And mm-hmm. so they have this entire you know, week-long celebration with like Irish dancers and bagpipers and all sorts of stuff coming in. And so instead of doing trivia, because uh, I do my trivia on Wednesdays, instead of doing mine the day after St. Patrick's Day, we did it. Uh, like at the beginning of the week kicking off the St. Patrick's Day stuff. So even though I could have done it the day right after St. Patrick's Day, we did it early so it wasn't, you know. Yeah, that's that's tough timing for the holiday for a place like that, especially yeah. for, you know, a show that can't move flexibly. Uh, your choices were we can do it almost too early or definitely slightly too late. Yeah, but either way, it went well, had tons of people show up. Uh, even though it was right at the beginning of everybody questioning whether or not they should show up to things anymore. <laughs> but I had, at, at the time, I had instigated the don't touch my hands rule when the teams turn in their mm-hmm. answers. I have a little <laughs> I had a little to-go box that I put out with a little sign that says put answers here. Oh, and that's so, clever. I like that. Instead of high-fiving, they were uh, head-butting. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem I ran in the last show or two I did uh, before everything kind of got shut down was uh, I use a whiteboard and marker system instead of like pens and slips of paper. So it was a massive pain in the ass, but a necessary one to sit there with like a bottle of rubbing alcohol and wipe down every individual element that I handed out to every individual team. 
big shout out to my wife who was at the last show or two I did and, and, and helped me get through all of that. I don't know if it made a difference. I like to think it did, but at least it kind of puts my soul to ease since I was knowingly operating in what could be argued to be a hazardous circumstance. Yeah. But people's, yeah. people still showed up. What about you, Corey? Uh, when was your last live show? I actually had to look it up. Um, <laughs> it was March 9th. Oh, Oh, Man, wow. That's right. You guys went on lockdown so, a lot sooner than we did. Yeah. Seattle got hit pretty hard, pretty fast. Um, I am on the other side of the state, but it was still just a being kind of careful situation. Mm-hmm. As we should be. And even the week prior to that is when Seattle really started getting serious about it. And so I was keeping in close contact with my venues and we were just all really pushing the wash your hands and try not to touch other people too much thing. It felt a lot like preschool in that regard. <laughs> but Yeah, uh, I get that. I also do, in addition to, to trivia, I do like karaoke and game nights and stuff. And we were doing a uh, Mario Kart tournament the, the Tuesday prior. So uh, like the, the third or so. And I was able to actually buy some Clorox disinfectant wipes before... The shells got wiped <laughs> before clean. they became the currency of the apocalypse. Toilet paper and yeah. wipes. So I had that sitting on the table and was making everybody like wipe down their controllers before they could play. Yeah, it, it was just a really weird uh, feeling going from that into you know things getting shut down and canceled. And I'm just sitting there thinking, God, I'm handling you know hundreds of pieces of paper from hundreds of potentially sick people. Oh, right. Why? (laughs) Why am I doing this? (laughs) The answer to that question for me was because nobody had told me to stop. You know, the government hadn't stepped in in Illinois at that point. There there were cautions. And obviously we were taking from a professional standpoint, all necessary precautions. But the venues were still open and it didn't feel right as the owner of my brand to go to the people who pay me for a service and say, hey, you're wrong to be paying me for this service right now, especially considering this is my sole source of income. I can't I can't kind of actively advocate against myself financially in that way. But at the same time, uh, as soon as the order to, to shut everything down went through, I was I was on that 100 percent. And I don't disagree with it in any way. Dude, I, I feel you so much on that one, because that entire week prior I was getting really nervous about it. One of my things is every Tuesday after my shows, I go see my grandma ever since grandpa passed. Aww. I know. I I bring her Panda Express and we, we watch Netflix and uh, catch up. And so I was like super paranoid about getting my grandma sick. So that week prior, I was uh, just staying in contact with the venues. But I was, I was really wanting to cancel. But, you know, it's my sole source of income and I've got these venues that you know, if I canceled, they're losing these 80-person nights. You know, that's a, a lot of money that I'm costing them. And so it was just really tough position to, to try and cancel it. But it wasn't until Tuesday the 10th that I actually called my venues and I said, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing this or sending my, my hosts out to do it either. Yeah, and it's a little different for, like, you and me specifically, Corey, since this is our primary uh, source of income. I know... Uh, like Jeremy and Aaron, for instance, and, and Jeff as well, they have day jobs at the very least. Had. Had. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had. I suppose that's fair. So, uh, Aaron, what was your last show like? Yeah, so it was the Thursday after Geek Bowl, actually. Every year after Geek Bowl, I come back and I do a round on things I learned from week of hang out with trivia people and talk about what a cool experience it was. I have all these people in the same room from all over the, the world. 
And as I'm talking about it, I'm like, yeah. And they made a joke after the top of Geek Bowl, and y'all might have discussed this last time, where they said, welcome to the last public gathering. And, and we laughed about it at the time, but about a week later, it was really ominous. More yeah. like nervous laughter, like, <laughs> you're real funny. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> so here in Virginia, we, I mean, we still aren't sheltering in place like y'all are out there. What happened was on on Monday, I was starting to get a Lancy. On Wednesday was the night that I was sitting here watching TV with my friend and you know, our phones were blown up. We're ignoring it because we're watching TV and we pick up them after the episode over was over. And that was the night they canceled the NBA. That was the night the NHL announced they were going to be, you know, making an announcement the next morning. That was when it sort of became real for us because, again, we weren't getting anything from leadership. So the next morning I texted the owner of my brewery and I'm like, hey, man, I don't think this is a good idea. This is where are you at on this? And he said, yeah, we're probably going to have to go to deliveries and sales only. And it happened so fast, like within 36 hours. He's like, yeah, as of tonight, we're, we're closing the space and, you know, to go orders only. So go virtual. And then my first virtual game was last Thursday. So the last physical game, there was this weird sense, like we're cracking jokes about it because it didn't feel real yet. Yeah. The biggest yeah, that concession- sense of like gallows humor yeah it still doesn't feel real though i mean to be honest no. it's weird yeah but the the one concession i made was i told them to keep their pens i was like here's a brand new bag of pens you can keep them don't get them back to- <laughs> i don't want them yeah, yeah. you can because i i do a bit every week i say you know give me your pens back because they don't grow on trees um it's one of those things i just sort of started saying and now it's become a, a bit uh, mm-hmm. i do the same thing i tell them i i love them enough to buy clicky pens so please bring the clicky pens back <laughs> I splurge on the, <laughs> on the extra expensive clicky pens. That is way nicer than I do for mine. Mine are like all donations. <laughs> you know, uh, Jeremy and I, I know, uh, run like dry erase markers. So my mantra at this point has been, hey, I love you. Don't steal my shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, your shit's a lot more expensive than my shit, for sure. Yeah, it, it can and can't be. It depends on kind of how you look at it in the aggregate, because what I save in paper, I lose in markers. That's true. I had never really thought about how much I go through paper until like the third ream that I had to buy. And I was like, well, OK, great. Great and good. <laughs> this is a lot of paper. And speaking of papers and pens and everything, uh, that brings us to our roundtable discussion for the day. We're talking a little bit about the setups, everything that we use to produce the games that we host. Aaron, since you're joining us for the first time, why don't you talk a little bit about all the stuff you use to make your show what it is? So my game is actually pretty low tech, partially because I'm a Luddite and I hate change, but mostly <laughs> just because... The game that I learned to love trivia playing was just this guy in a bar who asked three rounds of 10 questions and you wrote down your answers and submitted them and that was it. So my game is five rounds, 10 questions each round, and there's a halftime round, which is just sort of whatever I come up with that week. So in terms of actual physical things, you get answer sheets depending on whether or not there's a halftime, four or five, you get a pen. I run the show off my laptop. They have a sound system there because they host fans at this place, so... I just plug okay. in their speaker. I oh, run nice a Spotify. Yeah, it's great. I just plug straight in. Um, I have my own microphone because I want one with an on-off switch. But, you know, every now and then I forget it and I use theirs. It's really <laughs> very, very bare bones. Oh, I've God, that just reminded me. There's an audio cable um, sitting at my Wednesday night venue that I left uh, before the apocalypse that I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm never going to see again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a uh, gift to them. I have a TV sitting at one of my TV and a laptop sitting at one of my karaoke venues right now. And they never saw it again. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the idea and the flexibility of putting questions on screens. I just don't have the capability for it where I host. 
And my questions tend to be fairly wordy and wordplay-y, so I feel like there'd be a benefit from that. But yeah. I think my regulars are pretty well trained. They've gotten really good at listening, which is nice. Yeah, same same here. I, we have a very similar setup between you and I in terms of the overall setup of the game with like the halftime. And I also am the benefit of plugging into the house sound. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen your, the way you set up over there. It's Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. But the difference is I do the visual aspect too. So I plug into their TVs and I feel exactly the same about uh, my players kind of over the years learning my tone and kind of understanding mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. the clues are in the questions and things like that. Yeah. But, you know, overall, plugging into house sound is wonderful. <laughs> it is yes. super simplistic on my end in terms of uh, I use a what I call the super soundboard or the big ass mixer. It's a <laughs> live sound mixer. So I have like 12 mm-hmm. channels of which I use oh, three <laughs> sure. for my sound and mic. In terms of technology of the show, the only difference between you and I, Aaron, I think is just the fact that I use visuals. But other yeah. than that, it's, it seems about the same. Uh, I know Jason and Jeremy both use a pretty significant technological setup for their laptops, if they want to talk about that. Yeah, we uh, we plug in straight to, uh, well, at least my venue on Thursdays, and I know Jason does this at a few of his. We have uh, software that we use that uh, we put the team names in. We use Chromecast to get to the TVs. Uh, we have a wireless keyboard we walk around with, so everybody writes their answers on a whiteboard with their markers, and then we can walk around and key in if they got it right or wrong, so everything's automated. The scorekeeping down to the wagers for the final round, everything's built into the software, which, uh, fancy, you know, not to, stroke, yeah, not to stroke Jason's ego or anything, but he did a good job <laughs> with so it. so fancy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you know, I spent seven years running the same version of the software that I had built in, like, 2011, uh, and people just kind of kind of used to the fact that it had really low like Atari level graphics and cheap sound effects (laughs) and they got so used to it and I finally had some downtime and said you know screw it I need a project why don't we make this not look terrible and lo-fi how did they react to the change just like every trivia team does at every change (laughs) uh they fought it tooth and nail and then they finally just accepted it they were personally offended but yeah, just to kind of expand on what Jeremy is saying, we do use uh, whiteboards. They're numbered whiteboards and markers. Um, there's no strong reason for that other than the fact that I didn't want to sit and print slips all the time. And I wasn't going to just use, you know, blank pieces of paper uh, because that didn't seem like it was professional in the space. So I'm like, OK, what can I do that's different? Well, my wife teaches. She loves lap boards. So we went that route, really. And that's <laughs> that's the impetus for it. Uh, Corey, how about you? I have a lot of different things that I do. Every one of my venues is different, so I have a different approach at each one. My higher end, I guess you would say, venue, it's my Wednesday nights where it's a full-on, you know, 45-minute setup. Um, I bring in 2,000-watt Mackie speakers and a 12-channel mixer and... Yeah, I've got, you know, the the wireless Vocal Pro, and actually I just bought a new uh, Shure handheld mic. But yeah, I I go full out uh, at that venue, and we have a lot of fun with it, too, because I'll usually stay a good half an hour after trivia and just play some music and and, uh, have a good time. They actually just rearranged the venue, so I used to get to set up right under, yeah, and it was, those of you who paid attention in the Slack know how happy I was about it. <laughs> uh, I used to set up in the corner right under the TV, and I could mm-hmm. just get up and, and uh, plug right into it. No problems at all. And I love being able to, to plug straight into the TV because you don't have to worry about delays or anything. They moved me to the middle of the room. 
<laughs> where I don't have a lot of setup space. I don't have a good um, connection to the TV. The Wi-Fi signal is like super poor there. So the Chromecast that I bought doesn't work very well. Oh, it's God. And I think I suggested that, didn't so, I? Yeah. And I mean, it's not your fault. It's just the Wi-Fi doesn't quite. It's really spotty in the corner where the TV is. So it How was big just, is this venue? It's been a nightmare. Uh, it's a pretty good-sized venue. I, I'm terrible at judging spaces. But yeah. the, it's maybe five feet by five feet. Pretty it, big. It's somewhere between <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. a bread box and the Alamo. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't know and, why I bought And I mean, that. us being on opposite <laughs> sides of the country, I can't even like think of something to compare it to. Oh, you know this place I eat lunch at occasionally 3,000 miles away? <laughs> yeah. It's a little bigger than that, you know. All right, I get it. I'm sorry I asked. It's a room. <laughs> it's big enough to have a Wi-Fi dead spot in the middle. Yeah, that, but I mean, it's a, right. it's a valid point. Like the Wi-Fi at the bar that I work at, it is absolute garbage in, in the dining area. Actually, I should say, until recently, it's been absolute garbage. About like two weeks ago, I think they revamped their Wi-Fi and it was getting a little bit better. But for the most part, before that, you had to go outside onto the smoking patio to use the Wi-Fi if you wanted a good Wi-Fi connection. So I mean, at least you know people aren't cheating. Yeah, that's that's true. Right. That's true. I, I mean, yeah, that does help for sure. The, the overall setup that my bar has is is super useful with because I have a video and an audio plugin, just like a wall box that goes to, they have one of those fancy schmancy uh, audio video controllers so they could change what's on all the TVs from like nice. one iPad. The only downside yeah. is it requires the assistance of somebody from the bar to get my stuff turned on. So if they're really, really busy, like trying mm-hmm. to get them to go through the steps to turn everything on is just awful i feel like i'm bugging them to do something the for job me. they're paying you to juke yeah. yeah and then the other downside is is that if that device doesn't work which it sometimes i've had the pleasure of having that happen right before a show it completely <laughs> knocks everything out like i i think it was my wednesday before saint patrick's day the video wasn't working we just you know nothing that we did would get video on the screen so i had to completely change I got rid of my entire halftime because it was an uh, it was a visual round. I just did trivia reading it, you know, like I used to way back in the day before I started using video. And that was just because the iPad wasn't working that night. So the benefits that I get from being able to plug in and just go through the, the house sound, it's wonderful unless it doesn't work. And then, you know, <laughs> I would be stuck using Chromecasts, which I A, don't have, and B, don't know if their Wi-Fi would handle <laughs> Yeah, Chromecast, I, I've used them a lot in the last couple of years, and they can definitely be problematic. Whenever I go into like a new venue and I look at their uh, TV setup, because the visual presentation is very important for the format that uh, we run. If I don't have a hard line in, my first thought is, well, I'm not going to buy like a 100-foot cable and park it in here. Chromecasts are $35. How's your Wi-Fi? Uh, and they'll always tell me, oh, it's great. And then, uh, you know, the first huh. night that I send a host into that show, I have to spend an hour tech supporting Chromecast issues that I went in and set up manually and tested with the owners. So, yeah, the, there's pros and cons to having more of what I call a high tech trivia setup. And that is technology will absolutely bite you in the ass every chance it can. Yeah, 100%. So let me ask you guys, what is your setup tech failure horror story what is the worst <laughs> tech problem you've had to deal with and kind of troubleshoot on the fly at one of your shows everything like just nothing works like, yeah the the microphones will cut out and then the internet dies so you can't pull up the music rounds i mean it was 
it it just happens way too often. I had a real bad one happen. Um, I do uh, quite a bit of uh, event and fundraising stuff for for local schools in my area. That's my main mm-hmm. gig besides my weekly game. Uh, and I had one at a uh, local grade school. It was the first time they had purchased questions and my visual presentations uh, previously, but they had asked me to step in and actually host the game, which is nice because that's a bigger paycheck for me. So I bring my trivia minions, who are my good friends, Pat and Tori, because they help me <laughs> grade papers. Um, do you call them I, minions to their faces? I, Please tell I me. Do. I do. I call them my trivia minions on the mic. They are happy yes, to be my trivia it. minions. Um, I say not everybody's you, Jason, but you know what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and so I get everything set up. Everything's sounding good. I have the sound going through uh, this wonderful little uh, mixer that a really, really cool guy bought for me. It's just a really good guy who bought this mixer for me. And so everything's going fine. We're about one round in, maybe half hour into the game or so. And all of a sudden, whenever I try to use the microphone, it just dies. Like the power doesn't die, just the sound. The mixer's working perfectly fine. All of my microphone, all of my cables are fine. It turns out there is an issue with their built-in PA because we weren't using a separate PA. Like they have a really nice one that they do for theater productions, but they were just plugging me into the, like, I'm going to make a speech to the whole school, you know, the microphone on the podium PA. Right, right. All of a sudden I would be reading a question and it would just stop. It would cut out and I would have to wait five seconds for it to reboot, start reading the question again. And it happened like five times in, the, in one question. I couldn't get one question out. And so we ended up having to rewire a bunch of stuff and it still kept happening. So what we did to make it fun was I kept a, a total and everybody bet on how many more times it would happen until the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I told them. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> that, that right I, there is making lemonade out of lemons, my dear. Yeah. And the, the team that won, I told them I'd buy them a bucket at my weekly show. they just come out and visit me. <laughs> I'd buy them a bucket. Yeah, that's awesome. They have they have yet to come out and get their bucket of beer. So if you if, oh. if you're hearing this, Team 14, you're more than welcome to come out anytime <laughs> and get your bucket yeah, of he beer. Hasn't forgotten. Well, so, not anytime. Yeah, I guess that's true. Not anymore. Right. <laughs> in fact, head over there right now. Um, <laughs> I'll purchase Look, if it you have a big out. enough brick, all the buckets are free. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Are we endorsing okay. vandalism now? That's like a turn <laughs> Look, I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life. Okay, but can I tell people not to do that? Can I tell people how to live? <laughs> yeah. Listen to the lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Well, you are a lawyer, but you're not their lawyer, so, you know, ask us right, caveat, however you got to yeah, do it. <laughs> what we're hearing now is the real-time evolution of Jason's morality versus rum. This is what we're having. I forgot you were so, drinking. That's fair. I, Yeah. I I, I feel like I've gotten really <laughs> lucky with technical issues. I remember, uh, Corey, this this was, what, about, trying to remember, maybe two months ago. I had a random Wednesday off for reasons that I don't recall right now. Oh, uh, I so this. instead, I headed over to Jeff's show uh, to play with him. And I spent about a third of that night talking with you, trying to tech support. You had some real video issues, uh, I think specifically through Google Slides going on that night. So uh, feel free yeah. to expand on that a bit. Well, that was actually the Wednesday venue I was talking about. Um, Right after the remodel, we're trying all these different ways to connect my computer to the TV. It was a smart TV, so I'd try casting directly to the TV. I bought the Chromecast, so I'd try casting to the Chromecast. And for whatever reason, Chrome would cast to the TV or to the Chromecast, but it wouldn't cast anything in Google Drives. (laughs) 
it wouldn't that is an oddly like it wouldn't even problem yeah that's weird <laughs> especially since it's like their suite of, of right you'd think applications if anything and, worked it would be their stuff oh, this wow. is literally your yeah job. but like why aren't you doing this i could cast you know anything you know i could pull up facebook and i could cast <laughs> that to the tv or my email or a random google search but as soon as i tried to send the slideshow it it would just disconnect <laughs> Right. Can I stress just how much this podcast is not sponsored by Google? <laughs> <laughs> and now never will be. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Hey, I, I pay Google, so. I think it's because you didn't grant the TV permissions. That's what it was. That's got to be it. <laughs> That'd be if it was Windows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aside from issues like that, I've gotten really lucky with technological stuff. Uh, I started off the whole trivia host experience without any equipment at all it it was literally just me Uh, i did have my laptop that i would plug into a tv if the venue had a tv available and so i did make a nice google slideshow but no amplification you know no microphones no big speakers Mm. for the music round stuff like that can i just say and not to derail you at all but i just want to throw in that since i've moved to like a streaming contest context in the last eight days uh the work that you guys put in every week to put like solid graphic uh displays up at your shows is hard and obnoxious and time consuming and i praise you for everything you've done in that regard yeah it, it is exactly why i don't do it. it it does take up uh way more time than you think especially if you're aiming to put a really nice foot for you know what i mean like i do everything i can to get as high quality pictures as i can i try to fit the wording so that it it looked good on top of the the image you know it's not just a big box of text and from watching Corey's streams as well like he and i are are both like in the same group like from the the visual slides that he puts together they seem very similar to the stuff that i do as well so i think i've benefited from being basically the battlestar galactica trivia host is that because I have very little technology in my show, there's not a lot that can go wrong. The worst thing that ever happened was I got to the brewery once and their Wi-Fi was down. So one of my regulars was like, well, I can make my phone a hotspot and you can just have my phone since I'm not using it anyway. And I said, thank you. It, it's such a mixed bag sometimes because like, I look at Jason and Jeremy and the, the scoring program that they have. And I'm over here doing math like a caveman. And, and it's kind of like... Which which side yeah. of the coin do you want? Like the more things that you bring into it, like then you have problems with Google Forms and and all these other program stuff you have to do. And it's like you know, I still do my you know I do the the video presentation and stuff through my computer, but I still do record keeping and stuff by hand on a on a printed you know paper slip. So I'm kind of you know I got one foot on either side of the river. Right. I was going to say, I, I did teach my iPad to do math, and it, it does basic addition for me. So I put all of the scores into a spreadsheet, and that works just fine. That is the most technical I get. Yeah. And even that I can't handle sometimes. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Jeff. I uh, I actually like scoring all of the, the papers by hand. I, I build breaks into my show. You know, we take, I do a five-round show. I do a break after round two, a break after round three. Uh, and then, you know, a couple minutes at the very end to, to finish everything up it takes me anywhere from, say, five teams to 15 teams. It's it's not going to take me more than 10 minutes to uh, score it. And so I can kind of adjust how much time I'm putting into each round, depending on how long the scoring is taken. Yeah. But uh, it gives them enough time to go to the bathroom, to get another drink, to go for a smoke, to order food, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do put everything into a Google Sheet. 
after I score it, and I have the sheet add up the totals myself. But they're great yeah, when they work. I, I really they? enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> they're amazing. Right? Yeah. I do the scoring by hand um, because that way, if someone says something particularly funny, I can give them a shout out. Yeah, uh, same. Uh, every now and then, I refuse to just hand out correct points willy nilly. There's a couple of hosts that I've been to their shows before where they'll they'll give the funniest answer or get a point. But that that always felt a little iffy you know what i mean like if if there are people that are taking it seriously and the person that's making the joke answers about farts and they're getting as many points as the people that are getting it right you know yep there's just some yeah, i can people see where that, that's off-putting from a player perspective yeah, yeah i i mean i i don't mind because honestly the, I, i'm always ready to laugh i'm i'm a happy person i like laughing at shit <laughs> <laughs> but if if it's a competition especially when there's prizes involved but I do, I do like being able to shout out funny wrong answers, and I give them uh, what I call imaginary fun bonus points that don't count for anything. So I'll, I'll always shout them out, and, and that is a nice benefit of, of grading everything by hand. Uh, the biggest thing for me I found is that like we use all these slightly different methods to get to the same end point. You know, like uh, everybody, I think almost everybody here, with the exception of Jeremy and Jason, who essentially run about the same game with different questions in terms of technology we mm. all do something fairly different but in the end really mm. it's just us reading questions and getting answers from our players the easiest way for us personally uh and what works best for the players tends to be what they're used to i just i just find it really interesting that like no matter where you go or what game you're playing or who's hosting even if it feels a little different like in terms of exactly what you're doing, you could always count on there's going to be the host. They're going to ask you questions and you're going to answer them. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's just a horse of a different color, depending on where you're, where you're at, you know, as somebody who started out as a player and the first actual trivia show I went to was Jason's. Aww. I felt a little spoiled <laughs> when I finally started going to other trivia shows. Cause it was, it's weird. Like <laughs> it's weird going from this huge, as a techie, like, oh, this is fantastic. It's all high tech, uh, or you know, at least high tech as you can get. Um, I swear trivia. to God, by the way, I don't pay him extra to blow smoke up my ass on this. <laughs> but no, but I, and again, I enjoy the other shows, but it, it's like culture shock. And I, I, I get it from the other side too, where somebody's so used to the pen and paper aspect, and then they walk into something that's all technology based. It, it's, it's, it's weird. I, but I, I don't think there, I don't think it, either one turns anybody off because they're so different. Like, it's just, okay, well, this is how this one's played. This is how this one's played. Yeah, it's all about, you know, the flavor of creamer you're putting in the same coffee that we're all ultimately getting people to drink from at the end of the okay, day. Okay, well, Ooh, first of all, like creamer that. does not belong to coffee. Get the fuck off my coffee. Are we swearing <laughs> for this show or not? Yes, we're You put creamer in my coffee, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> but I do also, I also think that that point is, is really large in the amazing success we're seeing in these different streams. Like, everyone is playing all of these different games with different mechanics and different rules and different difficulty and different question writers. But you're seeing the same people over and over again because ultimately it is just one person writing questions and asking them. Um, and that's what we're here for. And everything else is just dressing it up differently. And and really to go back to what Jeremy or uh, Jeff were saying, I forget which, uh, the fundamental question to answer as far as your setup goes is how do you present your questions to the people who are there to hear them? And how do you get the responses from the people who give them? Uh, it doesn't really matter how uh, you go down that road. 
there's no one size fits all solution. If it works for you, great. Uh, what works for you might not work for me and what works for one venue might not work for another. But as long as you accomplish that, I think you're doing the job you need to. I've got five different venues and they have five different productions. I might host the same questions at all of them, but uh, you know, one of them has, or two of them use TVs, two of them use full sound setups, two of them, the host just stands there and, and shouts it out, but it's all still the same experience in a way. Especially if, if the questions, if you're, if you're using the same question set for all of the shows, it's essentially the same show. It's just what clothes is that show wearing today? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of speaking of questions, I think that's a awful enough segue to get into our next segment, <laughs> our keyword challenge for the week. What we did actually, I say we, I mean Jason. Jason set up a uh, a keyword Google Sheet form thing that the <laughs> the thing that he All right. is constantly Before doing. Before you give me too much credit, I spent 4 minutes on Google Forms typing out two questions and then throwing it on Facebook. Uh, at 11.30 at night a couple days ago. That is four minutes more than any of us spent. <laughs> All right, so we have, uh, I think, 26 suggested keywords. And what we're going to do with these keywords is we're going to randomly select one of them, and we are going to write a question about that keyword in some fashion. Uh, for future keywords, if you'd like to suggest a keyword for us to add to our list of random keywords, you could send that keyword uh, to quadriviapod at gmail.com. Make sure to put keyword suggestion uh, as the subject of the email so we know where to deposit the random word. So for our keyword challenge tonight, Jason, do you want to hit the random number generator, maybe make some beep boop noises and tell us what the keyword is for tonight? <laughs> yeah, let me crank up the old uh, bingo engine here. Uh, crank, crank, crank. And the random number that it spit out was 11. Let me pretend like I don't have it queued up already and uh, click over to response 11. And response 11 comes to us from uh, Debo from the Chicago area. <laughs> Guys, are you ready for the keyword for uh, this week's challenge? Yes. Tandy Newton. Uh, <laughs> no, we already did that one, and I've already learned more about her than I ever wanted to. Our keyword this week, ladies and gentlemen, is the traveling Wilburys. All right, traveling Wilburys. Are you ready? Yep. Yes. Yeah, ready. All right, then I think our 10 minutes starts now. Good luck to you, and we'll see you on the other side. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. And we're back with some questions. The topic or the magic word or the wacky word of the week or whatever was traveling Wilburys. Like, it's not canonically the magic word of the week, but it is now. So thank you for that. <laughs> I got you. All right. Corey, what did you make for us? Uh, I wrote you a question. Right. Just what I always wanted. I had a feeling, you being a trivia host and all, I thought that was like the best <laughs> gift I could give you. I do love questions. Um... Uh, so what I came up with, this was kind of a difficult one for me. When I write in general, I don't really write for difficulty. I try to write for my crowd. 
uh, and my crowd definitely skews younger mm-hmm. uh, and more pop culture-y. Not, I'm going to have some fans that listen and they're like, fuck you, Corey. <laughs> but you're going to have some co-hosts who listen in and go, fuck you, Corey. But yeah, they know who they are. Like Sherry, when she listens to this, she's going to be all pissy. But the majority of them are younger. You know, a lot of 21 to 26 year olds. Um, so this was kind of a tough one for me to write for them. Uh, hopefully this direction works. Uh, I've got. As far as powers go, the only one they really had was the ability to bring large groups of people together. But that won't stop the traveling Wilburys, comprised of an insect, a heartbreaker, a conductor, a bard, and the Caruso, from being known as one of these. Oh, I like the direction that you took on that. It, at first read, seems like it's vague and it's kind of hard to tell what the ask is, but if you go over it a second time and if the answer pops into you, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It took me a second to it took me a second to get at what you were getting at because um, I was looking at it as being like, uh, assuming that it would be about the Traveling Wilburys or have that be the answer, but having it go for Supergroup, like... That that's yeah. uh that's a really interesting take on that, especially considering what you were saying about uh your audience maybe not uh being familiar with the music of the traveling Wilburys or the people that were in them. Yeah, and obviously uh for those that are just listening to us, um, it, it probably doesn't translate as well strictly through audio as we are podcasting for you guys. We do have a Discord, so I was able to post it in there. And at most of my events, I would have it up on a screen uh-huh. or would repeat it a couple of times so that people can kind of uh, let it sink in. But Now, can I just say that the fact that you went with uh, the wording insect, heartbreaker, conductor, bard, and the Caruso is a touch of brilliance. Yeah, I really good. liked the direction you went on that, for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, you had both of the best questions last week, so I don't want to blow too much smoke up your ass on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron... Let's see if you can uh, take that crown off of my head. What do you got for us? Let's see. The supergroup The Traveling Wilburys was formed in 1988. The idea grew from discussions between members George Harrison and Jeff Lynne, while Harrison was recording What 1987 Album, which shares its name with a 1979 Carol Churchill play and gets name-checked in a 2012 Katy Perry song. Oh, there are a lot of points of entry on that. Mm. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I try to do. I, I like the direction you went with that for sure, but I will say that, at least from my perspective, being able to see and parse that question would probably make it a lot easier than hearing it uh, just one time and being kind of put on the spot. Uh, sure. Now I know at your shows you repeat your questions once or twice, so. Yep. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah. in there. Yes, what I do, I read each question twice. Um, I vocally highlight what I want people to latch on to, and then at the end what I do is I go through and I say the song, the question number, and if someone, anyone in the room needs to hear the question again, they'll go woo or hey or something, and I'll read it again that way. Right. Now, I'm looking at it, and and for my money, I would have no idea, even having done this research, what the name of the album is. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't personally know what the Carol Churchill play is, but I feel like it's gettable just on the 2012 song alone if you sit and apply yourself to it. I'm just trying to think of later into Harrison's career, because the Carol Churchill play, I'm not going to be able to pull that one. I also don't actively listen to Katy Perry <laughs> but 
Um, I think it's time that you start. If I'm in the right time period for for Harrison's albums, that was uh, the one that had I Got My Mind Set On You. But I don't remember the name of that album. <laughs> I remember that that's the, the last bigger hit that he had, I think, before he did the Traveling Woolberries. It was. And as I look it up here, it was the number one single from this album, but it wasn't like the title track. Mm-hmm. So looking at the answer and feel free to reveal it at any point uh, that you like, Aaron, that that is a gettable question. I will tell you that. Yeah. So the album was called Cloud Nine. Uh, OK, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Carol Tocha plays also called Cloud Nine. That was kind of a vanity hint. That's one of my favorite plays. And I think mm-hmm. enough of my friends are big enough nerds that they we did it here recently. So that might be an in. OK. And then the Katy Perry song, she has a line in the song Wide Awake where she sings Falling from Cloud Nine. That's like the pre-chorus. So I try to give people ends that like if you have if you're trying to decide between two guesses, one of the hints might nudge you in the right direction. It won't necessarily trigger it for you, but it might get you all the way there. Right. For my money, if you had name dropped the specific Katy Perry song, I feel like that's more entry level accessible. But uh, beyond that, I like the direction that you took on it. You combined like three or four different elements into one pretty solid question. So overall, I like it. Thanks. I do want to point out another interesting uh, connection there too. Um, Cloud Nine was put out by uh, Harrison's Dark Horse label. Oh, which oh. obviously is another Katy Perry, yeah, popular song. Obviously, it doesn't work like towards the Cloud Nine clue. But since you brought up Katy Perry, I <laughs> yeah. couldn't help. Myself. Right, right. <laughs> cool. So, uh, Jeff, what do you have for us? All right, that's that's tough to follow both of those. But my question... It's true. What supergroup released two studio albums, subtitled Volume 1 and Volume 3? When asked why the second album was Volume 3, one of the members said it was to confuse the buggers. <laughs> okay, so your your question just uh, on first read didn't have any kind of temporal hint in it? No year or anything yeah, no like year, that, right? Yeah, no year or anything like that. Uh, the... I purposefully, I left out, um, I was going to put in 88 and 90 for the albums, but when it comes to supergroups with multiple albums, that as a trivia player, or I should say as a trivia host, whenever I think supergroup, I think of ones that have like maybe one hit or have interesting members like Damn Yankees, you know, like Ted Nugent and Mm -hmm. and Dude from Styx. You know, I can't even think of who else is in the band, you know, or or really weird ones like uh, Oysterhead with like Trey Anastasio and uh, Les Claypool, you know, or I think of ones that have put out multiple albums like the Highwaymen or the Traveling Wilburys or I can't even I can't even think of a another one power company maybe yeah, you you know, stuff like that, like the the list of supergroups that have multiple albums are or I should say multiple well-received albums is is pretty short. Right. And so I specifically chose not to add the year just to add a little bit more difficulty and then I wanted okay. to put confuse the buggers because that's that's a very britishy saying. Mm-hmm. And granted the traveling wilburys aren't really british. I think they are I think Jeff Lynne is british and George Harrison british. Actually is Jeff Lynne british? I don't know. I'm I'm talking about things I don't know, but but I figured that that might be enough to He very much is. Yes. Yeah, it might it might be enough to lead people to a supergroup including somebody that's British with two albums. But that w- that was my thinking on that one. From my perspective as a player, the two very important keywords that jump out to me in your question are the word supergroup and the word buggers, and it becomes kind of a Venn diagram 
uh, <laughs> in my head to kind of find, you know, what super groups can I think of that would contain at least one well-known English person. So I think you have an access point here for sure. I'm curious. Do you think that your trivia regulars would get this? I think that, uh, let me, let me put it in a different context. (laughs) Um, I have five or six teams that are there on a weekly basis that this wouldn't necessarily be super challenging. There might be one or two teams that would get tripped up on it. But I think the problem that I've encountered recently is that if I don't ramp up a few difficult questions every game um the regular teams run away with it on a weekly basis like uh uh, so this would be i would consider this to not be a simple question because it either you either need to know you need you need to either have traveling wilburys volume ones and volume three in your car or you need to be able to put the pieces together (laughs) and say okay supergroup what supergroup might have somebody british in it um, or just get a good guess off a of supergroup. So yeah, this very much strikes me as kind of an educated guess question, and you need some of those in a set for sure. Like yeah. you said, to differentiate yeah. um, your stronger teams and and maybe your more esoteric knowledge based teams to kind of get a leg up on them. Yeah. So so generally, when I'm when I'm writing music questions, which tend to be some of the best softballs that I give, uh, and some of the harder questions, it's one of the ones that really goes from end to end during my games. This would be towards probably. Uh, round three or four in my game where the questions get a little bit tougher to answer. Nice. Jeremy, you are up next. What do you got, buddy? Okay, my question is this. Spike, Clayton, Muddy, and Boo are just four of the first name aliases used by members of what English-American supergroup that was founded in 1988 and formally broke up in 1991 after the release of their second album entitled Volume 3? Uh... Get out of here with your volume three second album. That was, that was me. It's such a smart idea on their part, though. It's like the, uh, you know, I, I've always said just to mess with people, I'd like to have a band named That One Band. And our albums would be like That One Album, That Other Album. I've always wanted to put together some kind of cover group called Ezra and Jake just to see where I'd end up on like a Bonnaroo Bill. <laughs> Um, but getting back to the, the subject matter at hand, I like the direction that you went, Jeremy, with the nicknames. Those are all very like bluesy, uh, well-known nicknames, and it might get you into their vibe, especially considering how famous every member of them is. Yeah, I felt it'd be like naming any member of the band would make it too easy. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that for sure. Yeah. I didn't know that they, because I had known that they had used the pseudonyms on the first album. But I didn't know that they had changed their pseudonyms for the second album, which I, that's actually pretty interesting. So I had only remembered the Otis and Charlie and Lefty from the first album. I didn't know that they changed them to Spike, Clayton, Muddy, and Boo on the second album. That's that's actually new and interesting information for me. I mean, honestly, all of this is new information for me. I'm looking at the nicknames, and they all seem like well-known blues musicians, Muddy Waters, Boo Radley. I can't necessarily place spike and clayton just off the dome but i don't think boo radley was a uh, blues musician i think he was more just a character in, in uh, yeah it was catcher to kill a mockingbird. Uh, not catcher in the rye uh <laughs> to kill a mockingbird. Yeah, to kill a mockingbird. yeah i did just call boo radley a character uh outside of catcher in the rye all right i'm shutting up when jason drinks literary characters come to life <laughs> <laughs> willie clayton willie clayton that would be your your blues clayton and then would that be oh who's the I'm going to say Spike Jones. <laughs> Am I right on that? No, Spike Jones was the 
That's the, the director. He's the director. He did uh, being John that was Malkovich. Spike Lee. And... No, <laughs> God damn it, Jason. <laughs> they're both. They're both. Uh, they're both spikes. I thought he was oh. the guy from um, from Buffy. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I walked right into that. I thought that. he was the dinosaur from The Land Before Time. There's like <laughs> at least five spikes is all I'm saying. All right, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy, that was their names on the second album. Correct. correct. Yeah. Uh, which would have been released about the same time as the movie Mo Better Blues. Uh, that was yeah. directed by and starred Spike Lee. Yeah, oh, right about the same time. I think that's about 9091. Uh, 1990, yep. yeah. So that could be that. That could legit be where Spike came from, Spike Lee. If they were like intentionally, you know, naming blues references, maybe. I mean, who knows if they <laughs> were? But we have we have now made that connection, and I'm going to lock it in. And yeah, say it. it's now <laughs> canon, no matter what. It's just the how it is. Canon is accepted. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we can go on about this for a long time. How about we uh, see what Jason came up with? No, how about we keep riffing on uh, Spikes? <laughs> there's a girl on Degrassi named Spike. I know because there's... No, there isn't. There is just Drake and nobody else. There's a yeah. there's a punk song, or I think it was on Misfits of Scott 1. There's a song called I'm in Love with a Girl Named Spike, and they had to explain who Spike was. Anyway, <laughs> I'll be done digressing. Jason, why don't you hit us with your question? Do you mean degressing? Uh, <laughs> uh, and this was the final episode of Quadrivia, guys. Good work. <laughs> Alright, so my question. Everybody's got somebody to lean on, especially if you're a former Beatle who needs to flesh out a B-side. If you happen to be hanging out with four other eventual members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you might as well form what supergroup in 1988? Well, I like the I like the take on that. The uh, everybody's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's pretty rare. Yeah, honest to goodness, that was the longest research I did uh, during my ten minute window. Is just looking up all five names and making sure they are all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It stood to reason that they all were, but I didn't want to speak off of assumption and memory on that. Yeah, but I, I like the um, when you're talking about supergroups. Uh, generally the, the easiest track to get there is by naming what the other people have done or who they are. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and in this case, you can't just straight up be like, oh, it's these five people that everybody fucking knows because then it immediately is makes it super simple. It's the same with the Highwaymen. You know, if you say country supergroup, that's that is your answer. That's the that's the end of it. So by just uh, associating five people who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the basis of the question, I think that's a really good take on it. Just to, like, it doesn't make it too difficult. And really, if you think about it for more than a minute, I can't think of another supergroup where every member of that group is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty a pretty fun take on it. Well, thank you for that. I think I'm really lucky. I think I'm really lucky having uh, trivia players that were born in 1999. Because <laughs> uh, I could I could just straight up ask what supergroup that was active from 88 to 91 and was comprised of Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, and Tom Petty put out the album Volume 1 and Volume 3. And they'd still have no no idea. Like, I could lay it all out there. Just and, read their Wikipedia you know, page. That would be like, who am I talking about? Yeah, like it could be my my number ten, like the hard question of the round. 
you're laying it all out like that. So now that you mentioned that, I could see this working in the context of like a, a particularly laid out theme round. Uh, in that you give the individual elements of a thing as brief descriptions and your teams would have to come back and give you like their collective name. So uh, in this case, it would be just Bob plus Roy plus George plus Jeff plus Tom equals. Mm-hmm. The Jetsons? <laughs> but yeah, a lot of different directions you can go on this. And I honestly think that all five of us took this in a uh, different path. So um, collectively, I'm proud of us. And I think it's up to the listeners to decide who wrote the best question about the traveling Wilburys. Damn straight it is. Hey, Jeremy, where would they uh, make that decision? They could let us know on Twitter at, at QuadriviaPod. They could email us at QuadriviaPod at gmail.com or the Quadrivia Podcast Facebook group. Okay, well, I am going to host some trivia. Wait, we do trivia here? <laughs> eh. Eh. I mean, okay, it's loosely trivia. Uh, one of the big things that I do and I've been doing since I started is I host a music round every week. Ten questions, usually about a 15-second song clip, and I want you to name the artist and title. So we're going to be doing that for you four tonight. Uh, I have put in our Google Drive folder, brought to you by Google. <laughs> Who does not at all sponsor this show. Yet. Yet. Working on it. Let's talk a little more shit about them. Um, you should all already be in the music round folder. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So we are going to have you listen to each of those. They're numbered one through ten. And you're going to identify them. I'll give you a little bit of a, a workup into it. Uh, I've called this round very creatively music covers <laughs> you will not be hearing the original recordings of these songs these are all clips of songs that have been covered in multiple formats clips one through three are going to be punk rock covers of popular songs nice. four through seven are going to be postmodern jukebox <laughs> if you're not familiar with them they're this super awesome group on youtube that does like 20s 30s 50s like big band and swing covers awesome. of popular songs Yeah, scott bradley is definitely doing the lord's work with that yeah he oh my god i love him and then eight through ten are country covers of popular songs Ooh, <laughs> so these are all these are all 15 second clips they're all covers and i want you to name the artist and the title so just to be clear we're looking for the original right yes the original artist and title and i never ever ask you to name like featuring artists or with whoever's album it was on that's the answer i'm looking for all right oh yeah are we doing this individually or as teams we are through the magic of editing going to play it for all of the viewers here in just a second but you're all going to listen to yours individually remember numbers one through three these are punk rock covers here is number one And here's number two. Leather and jeans, garage terrorists. Not sure what it means, but this photo of us, it don't have a price. Ready for those flashing lights. You know that baby I Song three. We haven't seen each other in a month where you said you needed space. And then he come around and did it soon. Baby, I miss you every 
right, that is the end of the punk rock covers. We're going on to number four. Four through seven are all postmodern jukebox. Here you go. I was born like this, don't even gotta try. I'm like shot and naked, better over time. I heard you say I'm not the baddest bitch alive. It ain't my fault. And number five. Song number six. If I looked all over the world and there's every type of girl, well, your empty eyes seem to pass me by and leave me. And number seven. Until now, ooh, some things I just can't refuse. I want to ride like a cruise and I'm not trying to lose. All right, and uh, our last three are all going to be country covers. Here is number eight. Number nine. And here's number 10. You look as good as the day I met you. I forget just why I left you. I was insane. Stay and play. All right, we're going to bring our, our other hosts back and see how they did. Number one. Alright, that was number one. What did you guys get for it? That one, I had What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. See, that's interesting, because what I had is Louis Armstrong and What a Wonderful World. <laughs> and see, so that was one of the ones I could not pull. Me too. Really? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't hear it. Well, let's see if they were right. And there you have it. You got it. That was Louis Armstrong. What a wonderful world. Before we move on to number two, I just want to say I really like the way that those transition into one another. I really That's a yeah, really that was, cool that was presentation. Cool. I have a lot of fun making the music rounds. It's, it's like my, it's my Stevie Ray Vaughan, <laughs> my pride and joy. Number two. <laughs> Don't have a price. 
And that was number two. What did you guys get for that? Uh, I, I believe that's Paparazzi by Lady Gaga. Yeah, yeah, that's what I had as well. That's what I had. Uh, did anybody hear anything else? I mean, I agree with everybody else if we all went paparazzi, <laughs> but uh, let's hear it and find out if we're all right. All right, let's hear it. Here is number two. Leather and jeans, garage glamorists. Not sure what it means, but this photo of us, it don't have a price. And there you have it. That was Lady Gaga, Paparazzi. Yeah, it helped out that the uh, cover version on that one, at least for me, was kind of in the same tempo as the original. Yeah. So you didn't have to do too many kind of mental gymnastics to figure out what was being uh, covered at that point. It was pretty straightforward. I think it was was a good cover. Yeah. Uh, But it was pretty easy to figure out what it was because of that, too. I agree. Song three. We haven't seen each other in a month Where you said you needed space And then he come around and didn't say Baby, I miss you and I swear I'm gonna change Trust me, remember I'd have lasted for a day I say I hate you, we break up, you call me Oh yeah! What did you guys get for this one? Now on this one it took a couple of seconds It, it was based purely on lyrics for me but i think we're in the t-swift catalog uh jeff do you want to name i think i've got it but i'll listen to to what you said it yeah, was yeah uh i thought the same thing uh it was the lyrics that got me there on this one it's never getting back together or never ever ever getting back together or whatever the full title of the song is it's the taylor swift one where she keeps yelling about never ever getting back together <laughs> Wait, so this is the Taylor Swift song where she's mad about like a previous relationship? Yes, that one. That one Taylor Swift song. <laughs> Very specific. Yeah, I put We Are Never Getting Back Together, but I could be wrong about that too. I put We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. I think oh, it's that. Right. I think it's We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, but I don't know. But that's what it is. Well, let's play the answer and see what it is. Here's number three. Like we haven't seen each other in a month where you said you needed space. And then he cut around and didn't say, Uh, I do feel obligated here to point out that this is a round I wrote for use in in an actual pub. And so you'll see sometimes I'll cut off the songs like right in the middle of a really catchy part. Mm -hmm. Because in person, you then have an entire bar singing along (laughs) to it. Uh, And it's it's a lot of fun. I've, I've had some times where that bit me in the ass. Like it'll either just be dead. Or they'll sing the song for like an entire 60 seconds. But uh, that's why that one cut off where it did. But yes, that was clearly Taylor Swift. We are never, ever getting back together. Here you go. I was born like this, don't even gotta try. I'm like shot and naked, better over time. I heard you say I'm not the baddest bitch alive. It ain't my fault. And that was number four. What did you guys get for that? This is another one I came up blank on for some strange reason. Yeah, same for me. I did too. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't piece it. Oh my. I don't know why. This is Juice by Lizzo, I believe. Oh. That's why I couldn't piece it. Okay. <laughs> that would be why. <laughs> this one is a little bit more recent. Uh, let's just cut right to the answer. Here is number four. 
was born like this, don't even gotta try. I'm like shot and naked, better over time. I heard you say I'm not the baddest bitch alive. You were right. <laughs> that is Lizzo Juice. I do music. I can say I'm scared my cat. Yeah. Good pull, Aaron. Now, I got to be honest with you. I hadn't heard that track before, but hand to God, that, that stuff bangs. Oh my man. gosh, she's incredible. I do not give Lizzo enough credit. I I don't want to be a Lizzo fan, but her music is so catchy. Why not? She's phenomenal. I almost feel the same way about like Billie Eilish. Yeah. Uh, Lizzo's Tiny Desk concert is what got me hooked i just she was so fun and her music is so catchy she's great and i like i mean as a person she seems like a person she's one of those people who's like on social media doing good stuff and i like what she stands for yeah i'm assuming she hasn't said anything terrible in the last 48 hours but i don't know i can't keep up <laughs> as soon as we air this she's gonna have said something horrible <laughs> yeah and everyone's gonna be like yo oh no do we have to Aaron. cancel lizzo now <laughs> so far so good on lizzo but you, yeah you never know. uh five What did you get for that one? That one I knew right off the bat because I love the police. Yeah. That is every breath you take by the police. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, and I'm curious to see if anybody in here uh, has maybe mislabeled the title of the song because as a karaoke host, that has happened to me on more than one occasion. Oh, they, uh, I'll be oh. watching you. Oh, as a trivia yeah, I mean, I'll be host, watching it has happened more than once. But yeah, it's every breath you take. Yep. Um, the ultimate stalker song of all time. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Well, let's play it and see if you were right. Here is number five. Oh, can't you see? You belong to me. Oh, my poor heart aches with every step that you take. And there you have it. It was the police. I'll be watching. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was every breath you take. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised, though, how many people also don't put the police. Oh, oh and just like sting individually or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get a lot of people arguing. Oh, that was a sting song. Well, no. Well, no. I'd argue that they wouldn't get points. No, that's fair. Exactly. I just don't give it to them. Uh, can I just argue that that chord progression that he wrote into that song just straight up shreds? Oh, yeah. yeah it is very hard to play for anybody who plays guitar. <laughs> it's super not easy. And that was number six. What did you get here? Uh, one of my favorite songs by Billy Idol. That was uh, Dancing With Myself. That is uh, what I have as well. I couldn't pull it. 
I will say the Blink-182 cover is better, but this postmodern jukebox is fantastic. Yeah, this is definitely one of my two favorite music acts whose names start with Billy I. This is uh, Dancing With Myself, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's play the answer. And there you have it. Yeah. Uh, no playing around on that one. That was, that was very clearly Billy Idol dancing <laughs> with myself. And that's that's a really solid, another really solid song. Uh, but but not your only favorite Billy I mm-hmm. artist, huh? <laughs> a top two easily. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair answer. And number seven. Until now, ooh, some things I just can't refuse. I want to ride like a cruise. And I'm not trying to lose. Then you're left in the dust. As I stuck by ya. Did any of you get this one right? I think I did because my son and I have watched um, Into the Spider-Verse more times than I can count. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's Sunflower by Post Malone. <laughs> oh, that very well might be. I didn't land it at all. But now that you mention it, that, that tracks for sure. Also same, didn't land it. It's the only reason I got it. I also believe it's Sunflower. Let's find out. Here's number seven. Until now, ooh, some things I just can't refuse. I want to ride like a cruise, and I'm not trying to lose. Then you're left in the dust, because I stuck by So, Jason, Jeff, uh, do you have an answer now? Yes, I believe that is the song <laughs> Sunflower, as we discussed earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that is absolutely Sunflower by, I think they said Post Malone? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give both of you a point for that one. Yeah, you really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anywhere near enough about Post Malone's catalog for being a, a 21st century pub trivia host. It is my greatest shame. <laughs> Here is number eight. on both my knees for you. Don't say thank you or please I do. What My soul so cynical. What did you get? I had no idea on this one. I think this is I got whatever Jeff got. I think this is actually uh, Jason's second favorite Billy I. I think this is Bad Guy by Billy Eilish. Oh, that's exactly what I said, except I didn't. So that's what I put as well. Um, it sounded like it. I hear it enough at karaoke. Well, let's play it. Here's the answer to number eight. on both my knees for you. Don't say thank you or please I do. And there you go. That is Jason's other favorite, <laughs> Billy I with Bad Guy. 
I am so mad at myself after hearing the answer on that. It's so obvious. It It's so obvious, and I just missed it. I had to listen to it like three times, yeah. not going to lie, and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this is. Yeah, even knowing what it was, I still had a really hard time. I think I just don't know the original that well, but I do like it. Uh, and talking about Billy Eilish pirate Baird O'Connell, <laughs> uh, did... Did you guys have to do a lot of Billie Eilish song? Uh, sorry, a lot of Billie Eilish questions after the Grammys. Um, I did one, and it was basically the one you just uh, kind of name dropped. It had to do with uh, like which of these words is in her middle name, <laughs> and I think it was pirate, ninja, and robot. I gave them. I took it back to. Uh, I went the other direction. I used her as the impetus of the question. Said she won all four of the big four awards. Who is the last person to do that? That's what Instead I asked. Ad, yeah. Asking yeah, about I Christopher the same Cross. Thing. Yeah, Christopher mm-hmm. Cross. And then I got to make a jump jump reference, which a shocking number of people did not appreciate. <laughs> I think I made that reference oh. too in one of uh, Jeff's live streams. That sounds really familiar all of a sudden. <laughs> yep. You absolutely did. Number nine. Number nine, what'd you get? The beautiful people. Yeah. The beautiful people. But down him. By Marilyn Manson, of course. So, okay, so yeah. you did get it. I did okay. not, okay. but yes, that's what it is. <laughs> well, let's play it and find out. Here's number nine. Because the size of your seatbelt can be talented as many this way. Or fashion fascists will take it away. There we go. That is Marilyn Manson. Beautiful the, the people. The big key for me is when he said capitalism, the way that he, because he uses yeah. the mm-hmm. same exact uh, emphasis on the same syllables uh, in the it same fashion. It is an oddly specific enunciation. Well, there was yeah. that one in the, like, in the, the steeple part. Yeah, it all tells that, by the that, size that of your steeple. Yeah. right into what the song was. Yep. And here's number 10. You look as good as the day I met you. I forget just why I left you. I was insane. Stay and play. Number 10. Who got this one? Fun right? fact I didn't have the name of this song until Jeremy said it out loud earlier. <laughs> um, Fun fact Jeremy might have said this song out loud earlier, and I still don't have the name of the song. Yeah, Fun I, fact, I don't remember saying it out loud earlier, but I think I know what it is. What about you, Aaron? Uh, I think Jeff's got it because I remember, I remember uh, Jeremy saying this. But uh, Aaron, did you pick this it's one? It's closer up? by the Chainsmokers. Closer by the Chainsmokers, isn't it? Yep. Not That's, closer. I had, yeah. right. I had Chainsmokers, I had and I wrote down uh, the one where he talks about Blink One Eighty Two song, but I couldn't remember the name of it. And then Jeremy <laughs> said closer earlier. I'm like, ah, yeah, got it. Uh, well, let's play it. Here's number ten. You look as good as the day I met you. I forget just why I left you. I was insane. Stay. Played out Blink 182 song. Velvet beat to death in Tucson. Okay. And there we go. The chain smoker's closer. 
Yay. All right, so like, here's my thing about the Chainsmokers, all right? And I have to get this off my chest. <laughs> every song they do has the same three-chord progression, so I feel like I deserve half points for acknowledging that every Chainsmokers song is every other Chainsmokers song. Yeah, but you know the words are different. No. Are they, though? Yes. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> if you want to be pedantic about it. I mean, if you, if, you know, without, and now I'm not throwing shade here because I don't want to upset anybody. You could say the same thing about ACDC. They made a career out of three chord rock and roll, huh. you know, right. but you could tell the difference in the different songs, you know. Uh, I noticed back in the very late 90s, uh, I had a running gag with a buddy of mine from uh, college that every Sugar Ray song could be sung to every other Sugar Ray song. <laughs> Which obviously oh, yeah. doesn't take a whole lot of cross-sectionality to figure out because they had three songs. But it just works. Well, the the other two that were big about that were uh, Nickelback and Everclear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the thing. Nickelback's just whiny and Everclear just needs to go to therapy for uh, Art Alexakis' daddy issues. <laughs> well, that was the end of the music round. I'm uh, really interested to see how well that, that transfers over in this podcast form. So listeners, not viewers, <laughs> let us know what you thought of it. Yeah, see if you can outperform us. <laughs> Next time I host the round, I'll I'll bring the, the picture round in and we'll really fuck with you. Oh, I guarantee we'll do better than the listeners will on that. No lie, no lie. <laughs> this episode's been running a little bit long. Yes. Was there anything big? Maybe we kick it over to Jason, walk us out of here. I think we covered all the bases we need to on this one. So let's call it. That's going to do it for us here at Quadrivia. Uh, Aaron, Jeremy, Jeff, Corey, anything else you want to say before we uh, segue on out? I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. But more importantly, I love our fine, fine fans who have listened to us riff about the passion we have for, for writing and hosting trivia for the last hour or so. And I honestly hope that they enjoyed our peek behind the curtain here. Yeah, They're the ones I was talking to, not you. <laughs> I feel personally attacked by this very relatable content, Corey. Where can they find us, Jason? You can find us online through Twitter at QuadriviaPod. Uh, you can send us an email at any point at QuadriviaPod at gmail.com. And you can find salacious pictures of Jeremy at the uh, Pornhub site of your choice. There you go. <sighs> Those get out. Well, I think that's all we need. I think that's more than we need. Yeah, that's the note we have to end on, guys. Salacious images of Jeremy on Pornhood. That's how we're going to say bye. Oh, no, that's the episode title now. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, bye, everybody. everybody. Uh, have, a good, have a good week don't, until just we don't search that. Anymore, maybe. <laughs> Where do we go? Oh yeah, say, yeah. Let's get into that. Um, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be, <laughs> you dick. Um, the rum, man. You get a little rum in you, and you get feisty. <laughs> and this is me trying not to talk over people. Believe it or not. <laughs> um. <laughs>